Audio. So, Aux Populi, episode 40. This week I'm joined by Kristen and Matt from the alt-pop singer-songwriter duo, Like Language. You can find their two most recent singles, Somebody's Gotta Go and Used to Be Something, as well as the rest of their music on Apple Music, Spotify, and most major streaming services. You can also follow Like Language on social media under Like Language Music for both Facebook and Instagram. Stay tuned after the episode for two tracks from Like Language, the first being their recent single, Used to Be Something, followed by So in the End from their 2019 album, Whatever you want. Also, one more thing before we get into the episode. Available now on the auxchicago.com website is the Aux Art House Virtual Gallery. The Virtual Gallery is an interactive two-week online gallery event featuring visual artists from in and around Chicago. From June 15th to June 29th, you can see works from artists Lena Joy, Ali Shapiro, Zach Bartz, Megan Trollio, Marty Trejo, Vanessa Sandoval, Bianca Goyette, Julia Norris, and Bethul Javit. To view this gallery, you can simply go to auxchicago.com slash virtual dash gallery. And now help me welcome to this 40th episode of Aux Populi, Kristen and Matt from Like Language. Growing up in a musical family, my dad was a full-time musician. He still is, actually. And my mom played in a band with my dad back in the day as well. So early on through childhood, I idolized my parents. I, I have specific memories, only a very few memories of uh, playing an oversized drum set in my basement because that's where my dad's band would rehearse or dancing on the fireplace to, uh, I don't even, some oldies song. Um, so it sort of goes far back uh, to when I was really young for me. Um, I guess who I wanted to be when I grew up, I actually, I really love history a lot and I've always loved history. Um, so when I was younger, I would read a lot about like World War One and World War Two, and I was like set on being maybe by like, I don't know, eighth grade, like an anthropologist, archaeologist. Like I just wanted to be like in the middle of nowhere digging for some like ancient, I don't know, realm or something. Um, but do actually, you do that still? Do you like dig in the garden just to see if you can? <laughs> I did just plant flowers, um, but no, I don't do that. But I do still read quite a bit of history or historical fiction and, you know, nonfiction. Um, but it was actually through my um, music experience throughout uh, middle school and high school that kind of um, made my career path go towards music education, which is what I do now. Um, but yeah, at first I, I kind of wanted to go into like history and tracking, you know, how we came to be and all that stuff. So how, how did we come to be? <laughs> I, I have yet to know, but they're finding they're still finding links different places. So <laughs> What was the first meaningful impact of art upon your lives when you were young? Oh, gosh, I, I feel like I've had so many, um, honestly. Um, uh, both Matt and I actually went to the same church growing up. We didn't know each other then, but we did. 
And um, we both, I know for me at least, um, my first musical experiences were in the church. And I'm not um, extremely religious anymore. Um, But just like knowing music history and my own bringing up, I, I have a lot of like, you know, at least in Western music, the church played a huge role in its development and like in introducing me to choir and like I would play my trumpet. So maybe like from a young, young age when I was really young, it would have been in the church. But then um, from there, it was probably in high school. Um, I was super involved in like choir and basically anything you could do musically at school. And, um, you know, some of my best memories come from you know, being in choir class and all my best friends that I'm still friends with who like stood in our wedding, were all in music and band and stuff with me. Like I played with his sister in band. So, um, I don't know. Music's had a huge, huge impact on me growing up. So yeah, for, for me too, there's a lot of different meaningful moments related to music. One I can remember is my dad showing me how to play two chords on the guitar. And just those two chords opened up so many possibilities for starting to write songs. And actually I have a church memory as well. If we're going to focus on church here, for memories. <laughs> I, didn't I don't know mean how to. that came up. No, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, let's, let's get into but, the church talk. <laughs> I'm like, but, um, I, I was at a church camp when I was younger. Was it Lutherdale? Yeah. Yes. Lutherdale. <laughs> I remember, um, just watching the, the youth pastor play chords on the guitar from afar and how his finger shapes were to, to form those chords. And I would go home and, that's my dog, by the way, if you can hear that. Then you, we would go home, um, or I would go home, and then sort of try to mimic what he was doing. And that's when I really started writing songs. And, and writing my first few songs when I was like 12 or 13 was sort of an uh, an experience. Uh, uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but was a, a special experience to be able to 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 create something out of, out of nothing with, with a few chords. And I, I suppose going through um, my musical history, I played in a band in my late teens to early 20s called Hotel Ahead. And it was the first serious band I had been a part of. And we ended up playing Metro for the first time when I was 16 or I think 16 or 17. And <laughs> now I'm 30. And I remember looking at the other band's playing and being like, man, how, like they're still going at, you know, and, but, but that was sort of a moment for me that sticks out, uh, quite a bit as, as being a really, really incredible moment to, to play a stage that I've seen so many shows at since I was younger as well. So now, obviously given what you both just said, music is, is, featured prominently in your lives throughout your entire lives. But something I also like to ask people about is what other uh, forms of creativity have you used to express yourselves throughout your lives? Because, uh, you know, so many people, you know, when they start off uh, as a kid, well, everybody starts off as a kid. Um, they they think that, you know, the things that they're going to end up doing in their lives are, are you know, so so different from what they, you know, actually end up doing. Like, were, were there other different forms of creativity that you both experimented with? Yeah, I, I 
personally, recently I went back to school for for school social work and clinical social work. I'm really interested in, in psychotherapy and mental health in general. And that requires actually a lot more creativity than I anticipated of how to handle sitting across from somebody in the room and creatively trying to follow where they are and be empathetic. I feel like that takes a lot of creativity in itself, but more, I've been solely focused. I feel like music as as my creative outlet for for most of for most of my life. I'm not really very talented. It's sort of a joke between Chris and I at arts and crafts. And well, <laughs> I'll be like, can you fold the laundry? He's like, I'm not good at arts and crafts. So we have a wide definition of arts and crafts. Okay, but it's fair. It's fair. I, it's yeah, legitimately can't fold the laundry. Um. But here, do you want to... Oh, no, I was just... Yeah. (laughs) Look, are there any other grievances you two want to get out about each other right now? That's perfect. No. No. Yeah, let's go ahead and take the next 60 minutes. A Festivus. A Festivus miracle. Yeah, celebration. Um... Yeah, but I guess, like, if um, most, like, nerdy choir kids are also nerdy theater kids. Um, So I was, like, big, really big into theater um, growing up and, like, in plays and musicals and things like that, which um, was, like, another form of outlet. And then I was actually, when I was really young, um, I, I... And Matt, too, uh, we were both really athletic, like did a lot of sports growing up and things like that. So I think um, for both of us, that played probably a big role in like our outlets growing up outside of music. So I didn't think about that. Baseball and sports as well does involve some sort of creative thinking. Yeah, Matt's a mean baseball player. He's... That's a, that's that's a generous interpretation <laughs> of of my baseball playing, but but yeah, I do. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if only he could fold the laundry as good as he plays baseball. <laughs> you oh, know, man. it's a valiant effort, and it does the job. So I revoke my statement. You can edit that out. <laughs> I revoke my statement. <laughs> no, let's I'll keep take that it in. out of the Let's records. keep that in there. Right, I need to you. stop using that as an excuse <laughs> to, to do things. Yeah. But I really am pretty terrible at arts and crafts, like crafty type things. Yeah. Um, so it is, it is, there's some truth. Yes. Um, but let's apologize on this podcast that I apologize for using that as an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Matt, I want you to go a little bit more into, you were talking about creativity in terms of like creatively dealing with people like like how how do you mean that or how do you view that yeah i think from in in terms of empathy trying to feel yourself into somebody else's subjective experience and to follow emotionally where somebody is takes a lot of creative imagination and open-mindedness and open-mindedness you uh, being not judgmental but i think empathy specifically really really is uh, closely tied to to imagination and creativity and being able to pivot when you need to and being able to follow someone else's lead and 
Yeah, yeah, I think it really closely relates to it. You know, going off of that, I think that any career like, you know, education or social work, there's a large amount of spontaneity um, because you're always, you know, you have to be present and react to what you know, is happening in the classroom or um, how you can meet the needs of a student or um, someone. So I think, you know, we kind of like have this hypothetical toolbox of like all these things that we can try in order to like connect or in order to solve. Um, So I do think that, you know, creativity and we talk about this a lot, like in education, it's not, you know, I think when we think of creativity, you think of like painting or music or, but really any form of problem solving, you know, takes creativity and takes thinking outside of the box. So, um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think both education, music, psychology, whatever, I mean, all the things you mentioned to you, you have to be, have that, um, being able to be flexible and adapt to the situation and take a stance of not knowing um, of that I know that I don't know, if mm-hmm. that makes sense, um, and going into to making sure you're, you're still sort of being empathetic and not thinking you have the right answer or you have the tools to solve this for somebody um, to some extent. Obviously, there's there's exceptions to that, but um no, but I know I know what you mean because anytime that you're absolutely sure of something is when you start hitting a problem in terms of like actually knowing something. Um, because when you've already decided that you've you've got all the answers is when everything shuts down and you and you and you stop you stop learning. And mm-hmm. and you know, I'd say more often than not, when you're absolutely sure of something, you are getting further and further away from actually understanding a situation or a person because you start building a reality on top of what you believe in that. And the, and the longer that goes, the, the larger that false reality becomes. Mm-hmm. Right. And then when you're, you know, um, faced with something that doesn't quite fit into that reality you've created, you're not able to like adjust you know so yeah because totally then agree. that becomes a bubble on top of a bubble on top of a bubble kind of a thing right. it's just building on top of something that doesn't really exist mm-hmm. yeah that, i think that's a great way to put great way to put it when when somebody becomes so rigid and and inflexible in the way they think or the way they treat other people even with a songwriting it can it can translate i feel like into any sort of experience between two people or a group of people that um entering the conversation uh, from a point of giving the other person the benefit of the doubt or being open to hear and let that affect you, I feel like is something that I try to do. It's a lot harder said than done though. <laughs> uh, but like you said, like, I feel like the opposite end of that scale is sort of being dogmatic and being certain to mm-hmm. a point that it becomes not negative, but, but, uh, uh, restricting yeah restricting to to experiencing Mm -hmm. life i suppose yeah uh is there can you think of like a a a recent experience or for either of you can you think of a recent learning experience that that involved that when you 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 find yourself having to uh creatively uh, figure out where another person was coming from or or you know what what a what a situation actually was uh versus what you thought it was oh I mean, honestly, it happens all the time, I feel like, in daily life that 
my immediate reaction may be judgmental. And we have all these sort of unconscious judgments and biases popping up. Mm-hmm. And with, with uh, you mentioned Andy's, I think, songwriting. Like that dog barking right now. I don't know if people can hear that. But immediately I got angry because there's a dog barking and I'm recording a podcast right now. <laughs> um, but with songwriting, if Kristen brings me a song, I, I try to really before judging the structure of the song or judging the like the form of it, I really try to be open minded to where she's coming from and and sort of the meaning behind it, possibly, if that makes sense, rather than being like, oh, you know, that chorus melody needs to go up here, change here, like just sort of experiencing the song um, without being too judgmental about the structure of the form. And I don't know if I'm making sense. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> You know, I think we're in most situations, you know, you go into it with preconceived notions or your own judgments. Um, And so I think more often than not, um, you know, after being in a situation or talking to someone, we realize things aren't always exactly what we thought they were. Um, And I, I do think that's something that like I've just learned more with age and experience. You know, I'm not sure. Like, I quite had that insight in my early 20s or, like, when I, you know, just started teaching or things like that. But just, like, the more I've interacted with people and the more, you know, I've learned, I I think I'm, like, a little bit more self-aware of that when I go into situations. Well, yeah, I mean, it it is a learned thing. Like, I mean, me, me now versus me 10 years ago at, at, at 21, I mean, we're talking about two different people. I mean, we're talking about how many different people I've been even in the past three or five years. Honestly, it is something mm-hmm. that, that does come with experience. And you do look at people and you think, well, how I judge somebody who was maybe imperfect, you know, 10 years ago, should I really be holding all of that against them now? Because you don't, you don't know, you know, what a person has been through to, to, you know, learn and grow. And there are definitely people in my life who, who, um, you know, certain number of years ago said, you know, they never want to talk to me again. And I look back at, at those experiences and I realize you know, they were, they were right, uh, in, in, in their reasoning then. But I mean, like who, who I am now, you know, versus then it's like, okay. Uh, you know, if we're, if we're looking at not just, you know, my, myself. And we're looking at just like how many other people I've, I've judged and, and have set certain things in stone a while ago. I mean, you know, how about how I feel about them is like, that feels unfair, you know? And, mm-hmm. it, and it's kind of what, it's one of those things where, you know, we look at people culturally right now and we say, okay, this is, this is who they were at a certain point, you know, can't, do they have the ability to grow? And, and I'd say when it comes down to like certain actions that, that people have taken, you know, there are things that will remain unforgivable, but in terms of like, just how we interact with each other in terms of like, you know, how we've handled certain situations, I'd say when it comes down to like how we handle situations emotionally, like people, people do change and, and people should, 
should be given maybe a little more leeway to like to to learn and grow and and but to at the at the end of it to also prove that they have done that as well because you know you can say all you want you know i've i've changed but you know as long as you're able to actually prove that you've done that you know right then, yeah then then you're then you're maybe you can you see see your way to to forgiving somebody yeah um yeah absolutely um so how and I, if, if this is uh you know uh, too personal but obviously you know with you two not only being in a marriage but also being in a partnership musically like what lessons have have the two of you had to learn with with working with each other both as people and as as partners in in, in creativity at first when we started writing we we did it was more sporadic in terms of when we would get together to write and as time moved on um it got a little more like let's set a time when when we have to write and let's sort of like write ideas on our own and then we'll flesh it out together and we'll come together and that's sort of the process now is one of us will have a melody idea and or have several melody ideas so if Kristen came to me with three melody ideas that she's written on her own and she'll she'll play them for for me and we'll sort of go back and forth of which one we like and then we'll cut out time together to work on it i think we've had to learn a lot about like communication obviously because if like something goes awry in a writing session like that obviously comes back into our you know relationship so um i think we've had to learn to like kind of separate the two honestly because um Like for me, a lot of times it'll feel like, oh, we didn't finish that or we still need to do this. So there wasn't like a lot of separation um, of the two, but we've gotten like a lot better at that. And then also just kind of like reading where we are just in terms of like stress levels from work or like exhaustion or, you know, just different things that just, you know, happen in life and adulting. So, um I think we've done a good job of like just reading where we are with one another and communicating and in terms of like working together on the songwriting, um, we are pretty like, we never like poo poo each other's ideas. Um, it's just more like, Hey, I like that, but I think I could go here or, you know, is this worth working on? And like, we kind of give melodies like a day or two. And if we still have them like in our head, we'll be like, okay, maybe we should actually sit down and work on that. So, yeah. And I guess there is a difference between if this dog, sorry, one of our neighbor's dogs is having a full on tantrum. Okay. Let me give it one second. Okay. Okay. Uh, Yeah. I was just going to say, I guess (laughs) there is a stark difference between going into a co-write session with somebody you've never met before versus going into a co-write session with, with your partner who knows you very well. And we sort of know our backstories and our emotions and how we handle things. So there is sort of an efficiency involved with writing, writing with Kristen in the sense of, um, there isn't sort of like this awkward break the ice period uh, of having to sort of like, you know, if you're writing with somebody new, like 
be naked in the room emotionally and be like, this is about this one time when I went through this. And um, since we sort of already know a lot of our histories, it sort of speeds up the process quite a bit. And in terms of what Kristen was saying with criticisms and, um, you know, just judging and uh, our ideas back and forth, I guess you could interpret as it could get more heated if somebody doesn't like your idea. If, if you know, when a married couple writes together, and maybe that well, is yeah, the case. I mean, like, how how easy would it be to take it personally? I I'm not one to like ever. Well, Matt could probably attest to this. Like, I'm not really afraid of just like saying things as they are in a polite way, but I don't like waste time dancing around things. So I'll just be like, no, that's not it. And then it's like, okay. So I think like, just, we know that about each other. We know like how one another operates. So, um, and with that being said, like we are like, you know, we are busy in other aspects of our life. So like, we kind of, it sounds weird, but like, we don't have time to be like, oh, that's such a good idea. You know, like, yeah, it's like, okay, let's just go on and try something new. <laughs> yeah, it is true. Some people, when when they've asked us this question before, assume that, you know, we're just sort of like sitting around writing all day together and I have my guitar and like, you know, ideas are hitting and we're always writing together. And no, it's... I would have not assumed that at all. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Andy, for not making that, <laughs> that prejudgment. But but we it's it's, it's more. No, I, I did not uh, have this like bohemian kind of relaxed. <laughs> you, know, you guys know you just and obviously uh, every musician can subside just on the music alone. You don't you don't, obviously don't have other jobs and other interests in your life so yeah it's just the two of you sitting alone and writing songs right all day <laughs> yeah that's what we do all day no but yeah it, it becomes more compartmentalized i guess like kristen was saying where um we both have sort of it, it, exhausting jobs sometimes so it becomes like i have this idea and i've thought about this idea and i've slept on it for a week and i think it's actually pretty good because we're pretty self-critical so we're like okay now i'll show kristen this idea <laughs> And we'll sit down for a few hours and we'll flesh this out. Some songs, obviously, take 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 a lot longer. Others are pretty quick. But um, like like Kristen was saying, we've sort of had to to schedule songwriting sessions between both of our schedules to try to flesh out ideas that we already have. So, no, I actually I, I this reminds me of something similar that I heard on another podcast. Um, you know, do you know who Kamel Nanjiani is? He's from that um, HBO show um, Silicon Valley. Ah, uh, um, yes. He and his wife uh, wrote a movie together ab about their relationship. Uh, it came out oh, yeah. a, a couple years ago, and you know, I won't go into the the whole story about you know uh, what the movie's actually about. But because they wrote this thing together, they had a very specific working relationship that is actually um, sounds a lot like you know what goes on between the two of you, where it's it's less about you know you're you're always on, you're always talking about the thing you're working on together. It's more about scheduling the time to 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 talk about this because if you don't compartmentalize to to borrow your word um and 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 you know dedicate specific patches of time to this you know there you you might run into the the possibility of uh, taking things too personally or or letting, you know, uh, problems with the work bleed into problems with the relationship or or vice versa. Mm -hmm. You know, so it does sound like you, you have figured out 
a good working relationship in terms of like we can't just do this all the time there has to be specific moments yeah and i personally since i was really young have had this imagined arc of being a full-time musician and sort of have romanticized that notion um i feel like so that's been harder for me to to grapple with because Kristen's around all the time and when you play when you play in a band with four other people like my previous bands you know, you, you get together a few times a week to practice, but they're not. I mean, sometimes you're living together, I guess, in a band, but I haven't had that experience. So it's tempting for me to because we live together and we're married and everything to to just, you know, always be on music, always be, you know, about mm-hmm. music. So so um you know, I started to realize, you know, when I played in a band before, we would get together two, three times a week. You know, we weren't living together on the phone, tempted to always just be talking about music, you know. So um, it, it's, it has its positives and negatives, mm-hmm. because if, we, if I have an idea, I can run upstairs and, and show you. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like you were saying, Andy, we're not uh, bohemians, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, lifestyle, pitching ideas to Kristen 24-7 or vice yeah. versa. So do you do you do that thing as well where you respect each other's time where you say, Hey, can we, can we talk about this thing that we're working on? The other person has the opportunity to say, no, not right now. Yeah. I'm probably, (laughs) I'm probably the one who's like, no, not right now more than Matt. Um, so yeah, I think that has kind of come to like be part of our understanding of working together. Um, for me, I sometimes like as a music teacher, um, you know, I'm surrounded by music for like eight hours a day. And though I love, like, I love it. Um, you know, it is exhausting. So sometimes like coming home and then doing more music for me is like my creativity is just you know, it's, it's run dry for the day or I need a break or like, you know, I had a lot of vocal health issues. Like I would come home from work and like, we wouldn't even speak. Like I would have to like text him or stuff because I like could not, you know, I had to rest my voice. So, um, so yeah, we're definitely respectful, um, of one another's like wishes and things like that. And in terms of the songwriting, I think Matt is much more like, the creator of melodies and then he kind of bring like and this is kind of how we started too like he brings me the ideas and then I'm like well that chord kind of wants to go here or why don't you try this with the melody or this is what I hear um so yeah we I think we definitely like respect one another's boundaries and I think it took a little while to like find out what those boundaries are um but yeah I think I think now we got it down to a science. So. Yeah. Oh, it, thank fuck for that. I would. I would yeah. hope so. <laughs> yeah. How? Uh, how? Which forms of artistic expression and creativity do you wish came naturally to you? Arts and crafts. <laughs> no. Um. Um. For me, piano playing. I really struggle with piano playing. Um at least like formal piano playing, like I can chunk chords, you know, all day, but, um, piano is something that I've, I, you know, I continue to learn obviously cause I play it every day when I'm teaching, but, um, and I think, uh, as like a 
uh, I, this is going to sound snooty, but as like a more trained <laughs> musician, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, I like started off like, okay, here's your C scale and, you know, on trumpet and like my whole life, I've, the music I've performed is music I've read. Um, so when someone says like, oh, just like scat or just like make it up, you know, I'm getting better. But at first I was like, what? I was like, no, like, just give me something to read and I'll read it. And even like, um, going into this band, like Matt can just like memorize all these songs on guitar. And I've memorized like tons of choir pieces, you know, but like I had never memorized like pop songs with like chord charts and stuff, you know, before performing, uh, with this band. So, um, I think it's really like helped me kind of get out of my more like, I don't know, classical, you know, trained road and, you know, build on other skills, um, that are maybe not as practiced, you know, in my daily life. And it's funny because as you were talking, I thought about the things I'm lacking creatively and sort of what you are good at. I want to be better at. And one of those is singing. I, I, I do wish I was, I had, I could do runs with my voice and, and, uh, I could just do more acrobatic stuck stuff agility. with my agility stuff with my voice, which I'm not really, you know, I come from more of, I, I suppose, uh, self-taught, self-taught background with that. And then also writing lyrics. I struggle with, I really like writing melodies because typically it just starts off as a gibberish. But when it comes to sit down with lyrics, it can be tough to focus in on something that's that's meaningful personally um, and also that resonates to other people. Um, yeah, so. lyrics are tough. Whew. Lyrics are tough. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's different philosophies for lyric writing. Like, So my mind is always scattered and fragmented and f trying to figure out. Um, the best songs are the ones where you're not like that, and it just sort of spills out uh, unselfconsciously, and then it works out, and it's like, oh, those lyrics were are great, and they they hit home. But you know, some people say the more specific you are, the more more universal it is, and then others say no, the more broad you write, the more universal it is. I think a nice I don't, mix. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Maybe the problem is I'm thinking. Yeah, you think it. a lot. Yeah, in a good way. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Self-aware. What it sounds like is, I mean, just to boil it down, uh, is that Kristen is, is, as she said, comes from the more rigid and trained side of things. And, and Matt, you come from a more freewheeling, self-taught side of things. Do you find that you guys, beca because of that, that you guys fit together really well, like, like two different pieces of a puzzle? I... I, I really do. Yeah. Um, cause like he'll hear things that I would have never heard or like he'll do things and I'm like, Oh no, that's not supposed to happen. But it's like, who said it's not supposed to happen? You know, like, so I think like in both sides, it's been really eye opening. Um, and you know, I obviously like I teach music, so I'm always going to be like, music theory never hurts. So it's always going to help you. Um, but with that being said, it does kind of like ingrain rules in your head that don't necessarily need to apply. So, yeah. <clears throat> Similar to what you said, you can hear melodies that I don't hear and notes specifically for, with your voice. And when I write now, it's hard 
to I will actually sing parts that I know are for Kristen when I'm writing and I sound absolutely ridiculous when I'm doing it because it's Why? super Why? Because you're high. trying to imitate her voice? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> He has a high voice, though. But, but it's still, you have a really, really high voice. So if, if that's happening, so, so yeah, you've sort of ingrained in some way your theoretical rules with music <laughs> in a good way um, when I'm writing as well, whether it be like a chord uh, that's not just a major or minor chord or something that's more unique um, when it's appropriate and 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 whatnot. Are you both comfortable with creative limitations? Uh, what do you mean by that? Sorry. When you look at things that you know you can't do, like what you were saying is that you wish you were more adept at the piano or Matt saying that he wishes he was he he could uh, s- sing in the way that you know he, he he thinks that he wants to when you look at those limitations you know whatever they may be outside of what you two have already mentioned are you comfortable with that in the sense of you know that you you know you can't do something and you're you're fine with it or do those limitations push you to to be better at something so so i think I think limitations can actually really be helpful personally because I've found that the more choices I have or unlimited freedom causes anxiety for me. Having all the tools at my disposal or a bunch of synth sounds or piano sounds or whatnot, just having more choices creates more sort of this like paralyzing anxiety where I'm like, okay, I just... Yeah, I don't I don't know what I'm doing. So I sort of like, you know, Chris and I really like writing with just piano, acoustic guitar and vocal at first before we work on the full instrument instrumental. Um, so I, I found limitations as sort of being constructive or having like a positive role in, in my creativity. Um, what, what about? Yeah, you? I think I, I'm. I kind of embrace the limitations too, Um, especially like this last year, I kind of mentioned like I uh, had a lot of vocal health issues. So it was kind of like, um, you know, I can sing this, but should I be singing this? Probably not. You know, like, should I be belting right now? Probably not. So kind of like having to gauge that and... um, like create boundaries almost for my voice so that it could heal. Um, so I think limitations can sometimes like be good in the sense that you c- keep like refining the skills that you already are strong at to make them like even better. And not to say that we don't explore like outside of our comfort zone. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't think it's, you know, harmful to just play off your strengths and acknowledge your weaknesses and, you know, move on. So. Yeah. And it, I, I've, I have moments where I think of these incredible bands like, like Radiohead or, or Wilco or the, you know, these very, very eclectic, imaginative, like intensely creative bands, which, which obviously we are not, but I have moments of where, where I get like, this inspiration of like, oh my God, push myself as far as I can. And, and I've sort of learned depressingly over time that 
to recognize what my strengths are. And I don't mean this in a way of like, I never try anything new or I don't push myself to sing better or write a better song. Um, but I know I'm not that. Uh, and, and maybe if I spend another 30 years trying to be that, maybe I can be 1% of that or 5% of it. And maybe this is sort of <laughs> a pessimistic view, but um, I think there is something to be said about recognizing your strength, your your weaknesses and your strengths and um, what you're good at, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it comes down to just embracing your natural talents. It's not that you have decided, okay, I can't do more than this, but you do know what you can do and you just, you end up building upon that slowly if that's what you, you want to do. You know, mm-hmm. you can, you can... Instead of trying to do a bunch of things at once and failing at every single one of them, really trying to refine something that you know that you have your strengths in, you know, that's something that you'll be able to to use to, to shine to shine over, you know, what you thought your limitations were before or how you view yourself versus other people, you mm-hmm. know, and, and once you embrace that, instead of trying to be everybody all at once you know you can be very confident in who you are and then say okay and now that i've now that i'm sure about this how about i how about i try to experiment with something new and and see what else i can do Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah and you make a good point about failure being important as well to the process and not being too limited to where you're not willing to fail and gain new insights from that with with music. So I suppose like anything else it's not either or and it's 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 a it's a sort of a balance between between the two. Well, I mean, you know, you 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 take a block of marble and you don't get a statue by just kind of staring at it. You you have to chip away at it a little bit and and a lot of those failures do come with you know, finding out what your, what your limitations are. But as, as time goes on, that, that refinement of, you know, what you decide, what your strengths are, end up, end up becoming that statue, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and there's, there's, there's two different sides to, to the failure we're talking about. There's, there's the kind of failure that comes with, um, trying to do too much. And then there's the failure that comes with just naturally finding out what, where certain boundaries are. Right. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of the bands that you look at the local scene right now that you either really like the things that they're that they're doing and that you know you wish you could maybe do a little of what they're doing, or just some of the bands uh, from the Chicago music scene that that you're just purely fans of? To answer sort of part of your question, the bands I'm, I'm or I think that. W- we've played shows with and that we're both fans of violet crime. I really enjoy their music quite a bit, Um, especially the song young. And I think the other one is Sadie. Sadie. God, I was hoping you were going to say Sadie. I think, I think, and, and I forgot, is it like a Rolling Stone? I think that's like the single, but I really enjoy that song too. Um, Friday pilots club. We had the opportunity to play with a few times and they are, are, really great beach bunny yeah i love her lyrics like i love her whole aesthetic it's it's so like quirky and unique and yeah her brand is good (laughs) 
no beach bunny is beach bunny is great and obviously we can all see the uh that everybody else in the in the in the country and the in the world agrees apparently because you know without this uh, without the pandemic they were going to go on a European short European tour. Oh, that's awesome! Nice, that's it's awesome. incredible. Yeah, um, Prize Fighter is another sort of newer band. I've been listening <laughs> local band. I've been listening to um, the Burst and Bloom. There's so many August Hotel, Ember Oceans, and I know you've had a lot of them. On your show, Andy, yeah, I mean, as well. Like, uh, Ember, Ember Ocean's August Hotel. I, I, I know those guys very well. Uh, the you the two before that you mentioned, very new to me. Haven't heard of them yet. Yeah, definitely check them out. They're really good. Um, but in terms of, I feel like every band we play with, there's always something that they do that I see live or a song that inspires me to go back and reevaluate my own songwriting or how we present ourselves as a band. Um, yeah, we kind of had to honestly, like just to pick up performing again, uh, we kind of had to take a break from performing. Um, and then obviously the pandemic happened and we all took a break from performing. Um, so kind of just to get back out there a little bit once this is all done, whenever that will be. But, um, even, you know, like we're hoping to kind of keep writing and, you know, we've seen what other bands have done virtually in terms of like, you know, going live on Instagram and different like ways they've been able to keep performance. So, um, you know, just maybe hoping to incorporate some of that just because, you know, who knows when we will be, you know, sadly in a packed, you know, performance venue again. So, yeah, there's definitely that social media aspect yeah. of, of learning nowadays, especially and and live too. like I was saying, just just seeing sort of uh, the emotion a band puts into a live performance is really inspiring. And um, I feel like we've had a lot of moments. We played with Beach Bunny early on, I think four years ago or three years ago at Township. And that was sort of an inspiring performance. It was just her with a guitar uh, singing her songs. And then Friday Pilots Club, we, we, we played with at Bee Kitchen and that performance was, was inspiring in many ways. So it's just sort of... Um, there's always something to pick out. I feel like with, and there's yeah. so many awesome Chicago local bands um, yeah. and talent. So, and it, it doesn't feel very competitive, which I think is nice. It feels very collaborative. So that's also yeah, been I a welcome. I haven't had a ton of people say that it's too competitive. I've had a lot more people say exactly what you just said, that it's, that it is more of um, an accepting kind of familial atmosphere in the chicago music scene i think it kind of it has to be that way because you go to and you look at other cities that that are the cities that people and think that okay these are the places you have to move to be successful you know i think in chicago there are a lot of people who are not thinking that way right now who are happy to be where they are and that's why they're not thinking of this as a competition because they're like look, this is, we're not trying to be the next big thing where we have to be so good where we move to Los Angeles or, or, or to New York. It's like, we enjoy where we are right now. And, and when you end up finding, when you realize that you, en you, you're, you're enjoying where you're at, there, I think that removes a lot of the competition. I think that it just kind of makes you more grounded and more comfortable with, mm -hmm. with what you have rather than what you could have. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really great point that when you're and enjoy the the place you live or where you're at. Rather, if you lived in like Omaha, Nebraska, well, actually, Omaha is a great music scene. I don't know where to pick Park City, Utah or something. <laughs> if you live in some obscure small town, that's not a city. I mean, it, um, if it's a small town, you probably haven't heard of it. And so you're not going to be able to pick it out of a <laughs> pick it as a name out of a hat right now to use yeah, it let, as an example. Let's, let's go through let's go through this for a few minutes no, I'm joking. so but i'm saying no, i can let's, see let's that let's get an atlas out <laughs> yeah no kidding. i can see that creating more competition in the sense of, of we got to get out of here and like get on the road or move somewhere or like the best band gets out regionally so um chicago is such an incredible ecosystem of venues and bands and uh just people in general so um we don't we don't feel the need to pack up and and move to nashville or la or New York or whatever. Am I right in thinking that you guys played the Homegrown Arts and Music Festival last summer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Which, which which day was that? Was that Saturday or Sunday? I think it was Saturday. I feel like... I think so. Saturday afternoon. We were M- outside. Must have... Because I, I, remember, I remember seeing that name on the program, and I was there just for that, that first day. And okay. I did a bunch of little micro interviews with, with a lot of the bands that I've also ended up having back on the show for, you know, full, full recordings like, like Ember Oceans, like August Hotel, the Bellow and the Whale, um, got loose cannons, like a, like a, a bunch of people. So we must've just like brushed past each other. But I mean, like uh, a, a festival like that where, you know, Sure, you have to go all the way out to to Lyle to see it, but I mean, like, just uh, all of those bands that that I ended up seeing as part of that whole thing, you know, are are it's it's just such an incredible. That is an incredible indicator of how much talent there is in Chicago, and that's not even the full breadth of how many how how much talent was even available. Like, if you could have done that that thing for like a week and and everybody you know, in the Chicago music scene had a chance at being part of it. I still don't think you, you would have been able to fit everybody into it. Right. Yeah. It was, it was really like just awesome. Like a lot of great bands, like we met so many people and like, I liked that it was a lot of different styles of music. You know, it wasn't all like one type of genre per se. Yeah. Um, and just like to highlight that, you know, even outside of Chicago, there are so many bands and, yeah, it was it was really a neat like collaborative environment to be in, and I don't know, it was like a little celebration. It was it was nice. It was it was, yeah. it was really like yeah, awesome to perform. Yeah, and it sort of reminded me just how important, sort of like you were saying, Andy, and and about uh, people in the local Chicago music community, like you and Brian and um, others, and Aaron, who are able to 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 make the effort to set these types of things up uh, so that there is some sort exposure. of exposure and, and community for all these bands to come together in one, uh, in one place, like at homegrown, which was, which was really fun. Oh yeah. I mean, like that's part of why I really love doing this show. I mean, it's not just about um, me being able to sit down and, and, and talk to people. I mean, music, and I've said so many times on this show, music has always been very important to me. But like this show, when I first started doing it, you know, a couple of years ago, um, it was open to 
like everybody, all artists and creatives of all kinds. But when I really started to focus on the music is, is what I've always said is when the show really kind of took off in my mind or in, and, and Brian Shamey has, he said the same thing to me, you know, multiple times is, is just the ability to kind of, um, look at the community, but also sort of help, help build that community as well. You know, because I know something that's always been very important to, to Brian is just kind of like getting everybody together where they can all kind of see each other as well, because we are, I say we, you know, I, I'm just a podcaster within the music scene, but like, you know, everybody involved in it is, is really kind of spread far apart. Like I'm out in one suburb right now, you guys are out in another. It's like, not everybody is like localized just to the city. So unless people are like playing together specifically in a show, you know, you might see them on social media or whatever, but when it comes down to like, you know, Chicago soundcheck is, is running different features and different bands. It's like, you know, it, it kind of pulls everybody into a centralized location. And that's something that I've, I've really enjoyed doing with, with this show as well. Cause I definitely know that when I've done this and that when I've, I've put together like on the, on the aux website right now, something that I've really uh, tried hard to build is, is the release calendar, which is when I take, you know, all the different, uh, past and future releases that that you know uh, everybody in the music scene you know uh, all these things that are that are coming out putting it online where everybody can see it in one place and then you know uh, at the end of a week or at the end of a month i'll kind of do like a large post of like here's who released what music i can see the effects of like grouping everybody together and like seeing them comment, oh, I'm definitely going to listen to all this stuff, or I'm definitely going to check out all these bands. And I know, you know, even from doing uh, this, this podcast, it's like people, you know, in one band seeing that I interviewed somebody in another and like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm going to check out that episode. That, that sounds really interesting. So yeah, you know, between me, Brian, Aaron, everybody else who's really trying to like uh, centralize, uh, everybody into 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 one place. I mean, that's that's really what's been the most meaningful thing is to just kind of get everybody, you know, talking with each other. You know, and that's why yeah. that's why another reason um, Brian and I have have this uh, this Facebook group called Ox Soundcheck, which is everybody that we know within the scene that we've kind of tried to pull together into this one group where everybody can just kind of share their stuff as well. Yeah, and and you know. You're talking very casually about like centralizing everybody, but that's an incredible amount of work, of work to do something that it sounds simple, you know, as, as you're talking about it. But um, oh, it's a lot of work. Y- yeah. And, and to have people like you and, and the others, uh, I mean, there's so many to actually put the effort in to centralize it um, makes things like for, for our for our project as well um when brian covered us for the first time was was really exciting and it felt great and from from there on out uh when when i would scroll his page or somebody else's page it'd be like three bands i could check out today and go follow them on instagram and maybe try to open a show for them or, or collaborate on on a on a bill with them so um i guess what i'm saying is Thank, I guess. Thank you. <laughs> thank you in, in, into the ether oh, for everybody. Yeah. 
So. Yeah, seriously, the, the person that really everybody should be thanking is Brian. And and I call I call him, and he hates this, but I, I keep saying it because I know he hates it. I call him the, the mayor of local music because <laughs> you go you go anywhere with him, and he, he knows everybody, and he just has this way of kind of pulling people to him. Like, I, I no matter what, the amount of work that I put into this, none of it will, will equal the, the passion and the work that, that Brian puts into Chicago Soundcheck. Like, it's, it's incredible. And, and that's one of the great things about being a friend of his is just like, you, you, I get to be close to all of that. Like, I, yeah. I, I pull a lot of my info from him. And, you know, he, he's had moments where he's pulled info from me. And we, we definitely share a lot of uh, information about like what we know about certain people. Well, that's, that's been great about that relationship. It's just like, I'll end up meeting a band. He'll end up meeting a band and we'll end up talking about it. And you know, every once in a while, somebody he's told me about ends up on my show. Somebody I've told him about ends up, he'll do, he'll do a feature in, in sound check, you know, and that's, I don't get paid for any of this. So I, <laughs> I do it just for, I just do it for the love of, of everything. Yeah. And it's been very, very rewarding. Um, that's awesome. What, uh, when you guys are looking at other people in the music scene and other people, other talents that you, um, might want to pick up for yourselves, is there, is there ever like a struggle with, with jealousy ever? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I don't feel jealous. I struggled with that when I was younger quite a bit, sort of that envy and feeling of, of jealousy with bands who were, were becoming successful. And I, and I, I tend up until like fairly recently, actually, I would play the age game um, in terms of, wow, he's 27 and, or she's 26 or this band is 19 and they're and that has led me nowhere and it's just only i i feel i have like has only reinforced that that jealousy and envy um but it's actually something i really really struggled with for a long time from <laughs> like 15 to 25 um and that you know always comparing yourself whether it be through age or maturity or or thinking this is a young person's game to be involved in, which in some ways I, I definitely still is. Um, uh, it's definitely something I've had I've I've had to grapple with over the years for sure, and and I feel like now I'm in a lot better place than I was a few years ago with all that stuff. Thirty is the new twenty. Thirty is the new twenty. <laughs> Um, but I, I it hope also so. <laughs> is that I, what we're saying now? It also pushed me to be uh, in a competitive nature to be more more creative and try to write better songs too. But um, it also caused a lot of anxiety for me and a lot of uh, I feel like unnecessary tension um, that was imaginary. I don't even think it was real, but just in my mind, you know, with 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 people and other bands. Yeah, kind of this like you set this expectation that you had to live up to. Or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then you see other bands fulfilling the expectation that you have wanted, um, and you think, man, I need to do what they're doing, but no, but then it's not true to yourself, and then um, it, it it just it doesn't really lead anywhere very productive. Sometimes it does, but uh, it's definitely well, something. It's like, it's it's like what we were saying earlier about preconceived notions. You know, you end up building false realities that that have these bubbles on top of bubbles kind of thing and all you're doing is is saying that you you know 
you know, uh, somebody has achieved a certain amount of success and that they're feeling great about it. And that, you know, this idea, the reason, the thing that, you know, you, you, that potentially makes you upset or, or angry is you think, you know, if they look at you, they're perhaps potentially going to be looking down upon you. Like, like they're, like they're better than you. Um, but something I've said to a, a friend of mine who, who's an artist, you know, I was talking to her about, you know, the things that she does and, and the things that, that she wishes she could be better at. And I've always been very supportive of her and telling her that what she's doing is great. And, and one of the things I, I told her was, you know, you think you're looking at other people wishing that you could do what they're doing. Who knows what people are looking at you thinking the exact same thing. And who knows even of the people that you're saying you wish that, that you think that you need to build to their level. Who knows if they're looking at you thinking, wow, I wish I could do what that person does. Exactly. I think that's, that's, that's right on. And, and uh, coming from that, sort of perspective of, of that envy or, or jealousy early on um, and assuming that we can sort of read somebody else's mind or, or like you were saying, like assume that uh, they think they're better than me or, or this or that um, is, is something that's really easy to do, um, especially when you're younger and you're playing music and, and you're really passionate about something um, and also something that I feel like it's just true to me personally of being very self-critical and lacking self-confidence and self-esteem um, that it's really easy to do what you were saying of just sort of, uh, of, of uh, mind reading, I guess, of what other people may be thinking. So do either of you experience depression or anxiety? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's let's get into it. Um, oh, Yeah. Where do we start? <laughs> I mean, I experience like severe. I, I, I don't. I'm hesitant to say severe because I. I no, no, no. See, yeah, I'll I'll stop you right there because you know what? People try to qualify that all the time. You don't need a doctor's note to know how you feel. Just talk about it. You know, you don't you don't need to qualify it. I'm not looking for you to. Here's my certificate of severe depression. Like if well, you yeah. if it's severe, it's yeah, it's yours. I, you own it. To your point, the act of me trying to qualify itself is indicative of the, of some of my stuff here, you know. Um, uh, but yeah, I've uh, definitely depressed most most of the time. Um, more introjectively, sort of uh, extremely self critical. I've also dealt with social anxiety. Um, uh, and I don't know how, how else to put it, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've had depression, I think for most of my life that, you know, at least, you know, beginning in high school, absolutely. Um, and I think that's where like music or at least like choir, um, for me was such like an escape and kind of this like, feeling of unity like we're all kind of you know there's 50 voices but we're singing towards the same goal like it was just such a haven for me and I kind of wanted to like create that for people um because I actually like double majored in perform vocal performance in ed and I just like 
that idea of like how impactful music was and how much it like, it honestly probably saved my life. Um, like I just wanted to give that to, you know, kids nowadays. Um, so I think, you know, I definitely struggle with depression. There's kind of, um, some eras that have been worse than others. And, um, I think I'm better at recognizing it now and knowing that, you know, as low as I feel, it does generally pass, you know, kind of like a, like a cold or something. Um, but for me, I'm probably, I deal much more with anxiety, um, more so I would say, um, similar to Matt, like I, I put a ton of pressure on myself, um, you know, and there are there are definitely pros to having an anxious personality type in the sense of like, you know, I'm always working towards improvement. I'm generally very prepared, you know, like there's things. But um, to say that it, it uh, doesn't hinder some aspects of life now and again would be, you know, not giving it its full credence. So, yeah. And, and sort of what you were saying with 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 choir and, and how that's influenced your teaching and sort of saved your life. Like similar with me with, with, with writing songs when I was in my adolescent period, it was sort of a therapeutic outlet for me and sort of an, an indirect, I guess, sort of emotional expression for me because I've always had trouble sort of outwardly, um, uh, just talking about how I feel, as you pointed out, very intuitively at the beginning there, Andy. <laughs> um, so, I, I, you know, I've sort of put up a false self for a lot of my life, I feel like sometimes. And so it's taken a while um, over the past, even more recently to through a lot of work and, and, you know, going back to major in this stuff as well and going back to grad school to to study this stuff um, really takes I've really learned a lot about myself and um, some context for my life. And um, I've tried to channel it into music, but obviously being depressed does not some does not uh, always lead to increase creativity on my end it can actually lead to yeah. a complete sort of, a, ve of motivation. A, a vegetative sort of like lack of motivation state oh um, yeah i mean i ask people all the time is it is it tough to be creative when you're depressed or anxious Ugh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's that's a tough question because definitely I, I i would agree for sure um but then there's also times where where it does sort of make uh, feel creativity. Um, but I, it, that can be a dangerous road to go down um, in terms of talking about people who are, who, who are severely suffering being better creators or something. It's sort of like the, the, uh, the myth of the tragic artist type thing, you know, um, which I think there's some truth to it, but um you know, I don't want to I think there's maybe like, you know, if you do, and I, I know that everyone, you know, depression is a normal human response, right? Like, um, but when it becomes like where you can't link it to a situation and it's just kind of like chronic, you know, I do think it's, it's kind of shaped who I am in a lot of ways. And I'm trying now that I've, you know, kind of dealt with it for at least half my life to see like the ways that it's shaped me in a good way, as opposed to like, it being such a negative part of like who I am because there's definitely like things that it's helped me 
achieve like I don't know if music would have meant as much if I didn't have depression yeah and you, you know yeah, or you, yeah. sorry no go ahead or like I don't know if I could connect with people the same way if I you know hadn't have experienced some really low moments in my life so yeah yeah no I was just gonna gonna say like you can't have positive emotions and I'm doing air quotes um without having like you were saying Kristen like without having negative yeah. emotions like anxiety and panic and worry. Like, um, you can't really experience a full, rich life without, you, you know, we uh, ha- having, having, ha- having all those emotions, that, you know. Yeah. I mean, like, not to sugarcoat it, like, depression sucks. Like, it just does. Like, but, <laughs> I'm like... I'm glad somebody finally said it. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, but <laughs> I do think that in a lot of ways, like... I can, you know, I know that I, I have had to have resilience in my life at many moments because of it, you know, and, and I think, you know, it, it, it's, it's absolutely a struggle that many people deal with, but it doesn't have to be, you know, this thing that's wrong with you, so to speak, like to put it in very simple <laughs> terms. I've, I've always wanted to to write a a little essay or whatever on uh, the importance of of self-loathing because i think it is something that as as you were both saying i mean how how it ends up shaping you and how it's not always just a negative thing because there are certain people who will who will take um, only negatives away from depression and anxiety. But for me, I mean, like we were talking about limitations earlier, those, those are limitations as well. And those are things that you have to push back against. And when you end up fighting those things and, and, you know, the actions you take during that fight, that ends up that the positive actions that you take end up, uh, you know, making you who you are. And, and, you know, when it comes to somebody who is, who really struggles with the idea of, of, of loving themselves. Um, what you end up doing is, is overworking the areas of your life where you feel like, you know, you are less than. And so you, you, you put so much more effort into, you know, self-improvement in those areas because you're, you're looking at it as, as a comparison against other people. Well, People, other people aren't seeing that. Only you see that. Only you see your own deficits. So what you're actually doing is you are making yourself better off of this imaginary idea that you are less than something, less than somebody else. So the reason why, you know, self-loathing, why depression, anxiety can be a very important, positive, impactful thing on people is because it ends up pushing you to do more than you really would have had to do without those things. If you were content, you would not have had the the exact same drive. I'm not saying that it didn't hurt while you were going through that because that is why I I truly believe that is why we have so many creatives who end up um, overdosing, who who end up you know uh, ending their lives too early is because even though they're using those things positively. Um, to push themselves forward to to be better, it is it remains painful the entire time. And a lesson that I've learned for myself recently is that, you know, I've really been uh, going through different 
different projects in my life, trying to kind of distract myself from things that are going on with me personally. And then when those things are done, when, when, you know, if you've been working on something for so long, you're like, like maybe for you guys, I don't know if you've been waiting and waiting and waiting to put like a song out and then it's out. The anticipation of putting that out is now dissipated. And now you're like, Oh, I'm starting to feel empty again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's, I feel like that I totally spot on what you said, especially about the usefulness of depression, feeling that sort of self-critical inner voice causes an artist to sort of push themselves more. Um, but unfortunately, if you don't have a good grasp on that or, or some sort of healthy way to cope with that, it can lead to some tragic circumstances like, like, like you mentioned as, as well. Um, well, cause what it ends up being is like, you know, I, I've had moments in my life where, you know, the, I, I I'm, I'm a self-medicator. You know, I'm somebody that, that, you know, I try to put on a, a brave face, you know, when I'm out and about in, in daily life. But I mean, I've, I've gone down the path of really, really heavily drinking. And mm-hmm. what that ends up being is like, it, 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 it's kind of, um, they're, they're two, they're, it's the exact same thing in both ways where, um, what you're trying to do. Uh, when you're trying to solve, you know, the problem with depression is you're trying to fill up a gas tank with a, with a hole in the bottom. Um, and you know, over time you, you, you try and put more and more in, but that hole just kind of keeps getting wider. If, if you're somebody that ends up having like an unhealthy way of dealing with your problems, like, you know, that's what I found with, 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 um, you know, anything that I've used to self-medicate is like, um, you know, as time goes on, you have to keep putting more fuel in, but more is, is pouring out because of, you know, the damage that you're, that you're doing to yourself. And, but I mean, Mm -hmm. the problem is, is just the fact that you're, you're trying to, you're trying to fill something up and, and keep, you know, keep it full where there's, there's no way to do it. There's, there's all, there's always that plug at the bottom that that's, that's always open, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think sometimes too, it's like, we think we're helping the situation, but like the way we're helping it is only like making us feel more shame or making us feel, you know, more hollow or empty. So, um, I think there's a lot of ways that, you know, whether it's substance or food or drugs or, you know, there's so many different ways, or even like, for me, sometimes it's like, just like, being so busy, like just keeping myself so busy that I like, I don't give myself time to think like, but then I'm like burning at the end of both, you know, whatever sides of the stick, you know, where I'm just so fatigued and tired, but I'm just trying to keep myself from actually having to deal with (laughs) anything, you know? Um, so I think there's a lot of kind of ways that we can try to, I guess I'll call it self-medicate, but you know, that can take on so many different forms. um, And that's why I use the term is because self-medication. Yeah. Instead of, instead of just labeling it as, Oh, you, you are an addict. Right. Right. You can say, no, I'm a self-medicator. I grab at things to distract myself from how I'm really feeling, which is why I would never say that, that anything I've ever struggled with is like, no, this is a disease or this is a thing I can't help. It's like, no, I'm just grasping at some sort of, 
distraction because right. I do the same thing. You know, it's it is literally the exact same thing as the days where I spend a bunch of time organizing the folders on my computer or or in my email. It's the exact same thing. Just using something to like say, OK, I will push away all these other thoughts for now and focus on on this. Mm hmm. You know? Yeah, and, and sounds like sort of a healthy distraction. And then there's obviously those negative sort of distractions as well, you know, uh, or negative, you could call them coping mechanisms, whether it be drinking in excess or um, harming yourself or, you know, um, so I, yeah. Yeah, depression is tricky because, I mean, it's, you know. It's kind of this invisible thing that is kind of unique to each person and stems from a bunch of different things. So, yeah, you know. Yeah. And sort of like you're talking about the gas tank um, metaphor. If, you know, if you have a core belief about yourself that you are worthless or you hate yourself or I hate myself to, to try to to cope with that and to fix that is extremely difficult um and to the extent you you can you can help yourself with that you can definitely you can definitely improve um but there, it's not like uh we can pop a balloon and fix your depression <laughs> i think i think that where it comes from it is just the the fear that once the distraction is over you know, even if it's a positive distraction that you're just going to go back to feeling hollow again Mm -hmm. uh, exactly. And I, yeah, I think that's when you were giving the example of the anticipation, anticipation of putting out a new song and there's sort of that excitement there. And then you put out the new song and it's sort of this depleted thing. Um, it's sort of like when you're looking to buy a new house or buy a new car and you actually enjoy the process of looking at houses and looking at the prices and doing all this and then you buy the house and then after you buy the house, it's 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 uh, this, it's not satisfactory. So it's almost like we enjoy the dissatisfaction of of or we, we, we almost enjoy the lead up or sort of the the process to getting to what we want. But then once we get it, that sort of I feel like that's a good description of, of depression in some ways. I hope yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> no, it, it makes sense. I mean, like, like honestly, today I, I've been working so hard for the past week on another thing on the Aux website. Now that's that's new as of today is this virtual gallery that we have that we've got like um, like seven, seven between seven and nine artists. Or uh, I'm confused about the number because several several of them are like collaborating where they're showing pieces together. Um, where I was working so hard on putting that together and and finally today was the debut of this of this gallery that's going to be up for like the next 2 weeks and it's like there was a moment today where I was really unhappy and then I realized during the recording of this show oh the reason why you were unhappy was because of exactly what we're talking about which is like the anticipation all this work putting in this thing it's like now it's done and I can just let it sit for a little bit and that's you know, I think the thing that needs to be worked on uh, is finding out what to do with those moments once the anticipation is gone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So obviously what's going on right now is that we are all on this planet going through this this pandemic. Um, how have your 
personal and and we talked about this a little bit how have your personal and creative lives been affected by by the fact that we're all kind of stuck not being able to do what we want to do right now um you know i think it's definitely been challenging um to say the least uh you know we both feel fortunate that um you know we were We had jobs that we were able to keep. Um, We both did go to remote settings, obviously, which were super challenging. Um, And this upcoming school year, um, you know, is absolutely going to be challenging um, in terms of like, you know, we're seeing this obviously with performances and venues like, you know, who knows if there's really going to be a choir of people singing together or people sharing a stage together um, for some time. So, you know, I think if like I start thinking too much about that, I do get pretty, you know, down and, it, you know, it's absolutely worrisome. Um, I think for me, like I definitely have experienced a lot more anxiety Uh you know, just with all of the unknowns and the severity of this virus and, um, you know, kind of this, um, not uniform response. And, um, that's kind of taken a toll on my mental health, I would say for sure. Um, but other than that, I'm kind of talking a lot, but other than that, it has allowed us to like, you know, start writing a little bit more again and, you know, not have the busy schedules that we once had, you know, when things were kind of normal. Um, and and, so, you know, we have been able to find kind of the silver lining in this very odd time that we are going through. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, similar to what you were saying at first, it was, it was pretty tough at first, but, like, on a societal level, political, so much going on, there's so much fear and anxiety and panic on more of, like, a macro level that that was tough to deal with. Um, but the sort of odd silver lining is also, because of my personality, um, there's some benefits in terms, selfishly, of not having to to go out and socialize and and not having expe- any expectations to be anywhere at any time um, and so it sort of feels like the it sort of feels the avoidance of, of my own stuff uh, but sort of like you were saying Kristen we we've sort of been able to I hate to say make an opportunity because I didn't like that pressure that I felt early on just scrolling through social media about yeah, to like redo like, the make whole this house a, and, make this a yeah. time where you can you know um, learn a new language. And- yeah, so I, I know it sounds cliche, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. I, I know it sounds cliche. But the whole idea of it's okay to not be okay, it's okay to not be able to cope during this time. It's okay to be angry and anxious. It sort of normalizes yeah, it, all that stuff. It was so um, sa- I mean, it was so sad ending the school year. Like we just like left the students who were like, okay, maybe I'll see you, you know. And I mean, it's, yeah. it was it, it was kind of heart heart wrenching. <laughs> yeah, it was more upsetting on, uh, on on a larger, broader level when the virus hit. I feel like it was sort of a a, a mirror into the lack of a. A safety net we have in this country, and a, and how precarious society is, um, and now with with even the more recent events as well, it's another uh, I feel like reflection. Um, so 
Yeah, it's been eye-opening for sure yeah. in a lot of ways. <laughs> Personally, societally. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, we thought the past couple months being stuck inside because of a pandemic was going to be, you know, interesting. Right. Uh, and then all of a sudden, right. everything else blew up within the, the past couple of weeks. I mean, I'd say that's actually been more of a, it's hard to say it's been more of a positive because you you never know. Well, I mean, just the circumstances of, of how it all came to be is definitely not a positive. But watching um, people who who might actually change the way that they, they view others around them. And not everybody's going to do it. Some people are just going to be content with uh, temporary, you know, as soon as it goes out of the news cycle, it's like, okay, back to business as usual, which is exactly how people were looking at the virus as well, which is like, boy, I can't wait to get back to doing things the way that we were doing them before. Right. Um, But that has seemed like, in despite the fact that, um, there's this pandemic going on. The is, the largest uh, civil rights protests uh, in American history took place. Right. People saying, you know what? It, it I'll, I'll put a mask on, but I'm going right. out and 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 my voice is going to be heard. And yeah, I I honestly and, and we were gonna do this this show last week, and out of deference to what was going on, we decided to. to to put this off and it seemed like the right thing. And, and something that I've been trying to do is I've been trying to, to reach out to, um, different activists and different organizations and, and, it, and it's been tough and I haven't gotten, gotten any responses yet just because, you know, they're, they're busy. They've, they've got stuff going on right now, but that's something that I'm really hoping to be able to do with this, this show, um, you know, to, to not only just talk to artists about what's going on, but to just to talk to people about what's going on in the ether right now and what what has been going on within this country for a lot longer than 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 All just right. right now. Oh, you know? absolutely. But it is, yeah. yeah. It's it's been it's been incredible to watch, and I really hope people actually do take it seriously this time because yeah. there there are those usual indicators of people not taking it seriously, and that's the kind of stuff that makes me that puts me on edge and makes me very angry. And 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 obviously yeah. right now I've. I've got this um, community support page up on the Aux website um, that's not only dedicated to, you know, like um, cultural awareness, but I've also, because we are in Pride Month, um, you got a whole section uh, dedicated to to organizations that have to do with uh, LGBTQ um, awareness and, and all of that. So, you know, I'm really hoping that, that, you know, people, instead of just taking this time to look at it as like, when can we get back to our lives outdoors and going to restaurants and doing that kind of thing. Oh, well, what's, what's this, what's this new life now that we can get into being aware of being, being a little more hyper aware of what's going on with, with, with people around us. That's the thing people should be looking forward to not going back to the hair salon. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it does for me, this feels different, you know, than previous, um, events or times or protests. So, you know, we're, we're also hoping that, you know, we do see a change, a meaningful change, um, and a sustained effort, you know, and, um, I know that both Matt and I have been, um, kind of reading, you know, for our return to school and, you know, just so that we can help like educate and, 
you know, just broaden perspectives and be respectful of students and communities and just, I don't know, help in any way we can. And, you know, for me, I think that's like in the classroom. So I've been kind of reading and learning and, you know, I think that we should always be reading and learning. And, you know, I kind of said earlier at the top of the show, like, this situation is cyclical. Like this has happened all throughout history, these kind of like, you know, breaking points. Um, and so hopefully this will bring some change cause it's, it's absolutely needed. So. Yeah. And, and, and <clears throat> going back to, we were talking about like positive and negative emotions before, like, I feel like this is a time where, where emotions like anger and, and rage can be, productive in a sense of, of making change happen. And, and there's a sense of me that if, if, you know, looting or, or some of, of the more I, I, minor violence that took place from that didn't happen, that it wouldn't have gotten people's attention to, to make meaningful change, unfortunately. Um, so it's been upsetting seeing obviously people's interpretations of this and, and, um, uh, from, from a perspective where we're coming from as well, it seems absolutely ridiculous to release new music or self-promote right now. Personally, it just seems sort of weird, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I think John Stewart said, it's sort of like <laughs> showing, showing up to a plane crash and like offering some candy <laughs> or like, you know, a box, like, here you go. Um, and that's how, you know, we, we just released a new song and, um, and it was sort of scheduled before, you know, and it was just, it feels, it just feels weird, you know, to self-promote with all this type of stuff going on too. Well, I mean, that's the right emotion to have, honestly, is to, to if you're thinking about that, then you're obviously not thinking about yourselves. You know, you're, you're also not thinking about like, oh, wow, this is, this is awkward timing right now. I wish this wasn't all happening in the middle of our precious music release, <laughs> right you know? yeah no uh, exactly and, yeah. and you're not the only ones i mean there's a bunch of people i know who who were releasing things exactly as everything was was kicking off but you know a lot of them have channeled that into positive things a lot of people said like hey you know go to go to our band camp um 100 of proceeds for whatever you buy is going to black lives matter um you know for for however long that they they decide to do that you know as long as people decide to you know we're talking about uh, things being cyclical and obviously you know a, a big part of how we perceive the ebb and flow of, of of our culture is is through the news cycle as long as we break this as long as we break the cycle on the fact where it's like okay well it's had its time now we're now we're done talking about it and to keep talking about it is like god are we are we still talking about this you know as long as we break that cycle you know, we can we can keep leading leading our lives. Uh, we don't have to necessarily prostrate at, at the at the at the at the feet of, of, of grief, because all you have to do is is just commit yourself to meaningful change. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you you what you decide is that okay, I'm not I'm not gonna go back to who I was the day before that that Monday. You know, you can mm -hmm. keep being yourself, but you're going to be your your new self who is aware of all of that. 
Right. And I, I do think there's going to be kind of like a, a heightened like vigilance of this and um, this expectation of accountability. And, you know, unfortunately, I do think that, you know, we're seeing that there's still violence. And I, I think these situations are still going to happen. And hopefully, you know, if it does, it creates the same response. And it's just like, no, we're not we're done with this, you know, enough is enough. And, you know, hopefully, especially. Yeah. Sorry. Oh no. But like, you know, especially with an election year and stuff, I think, you know, this is, it's a good time, um, you know, for change to happen because, you know, our, our vote could, can speak volumes. And so, you know, hopefully this momentum, you know, stays into November and, you know, maybe more people will go out and vote than who have before, or people will start realizing the importance of local elections, you know, which decides, you know, our mayor, who decides our sheriff, who decides all sorts of things. So, um, I hope I, I think that's how the order, but, (laughs) but, um, but, but, you know, I, I, I do, I do feel like there is a real hope for change in November and, you know, hopefully that happens. I I mean, I don't want to get too political, but, um, but yeah, I, you know, I do think maybe there's like a little bit of a microscope now on law enforcement and, you know, maybe some accountability will be had, so. Yeah, it's been it's been very encouraging to see so many people, um, you know, being activists about this and and like you were saying, donating to to charities and and you know resources that you can read to increase self awareness on this as well um, throughout the music community and just like everywhere in general. I feel like it's been it's been pretty yeah pretty encouraging Unifying. to see that happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess we just at the end of the day we have to hold ourselves accountable for the fact that we just keep talking about it mm-hmm. we can't be tired of it and we can't right. we can't let other people be tired of it it has to be about momentum it has to be about you know keeping things moving forward because yes. we are all we are all used to this idea where it's like okay you know it's it's had its time but now we're you know, it's had its 15 minutes of fame and that's how we look at, that's how we look at tragedy. That is how right. we, and that's how yeah. we look at tragedy in the, in the age of social media, because it's like, all right, let's put up our temporary profile pictures. Let's do whatever posts, but you know, right. are you actually going to, are you going to keep doing that? You know, cause right. it's not going to stop, you know, cause no. it definitely, it doesn't, it definitely does not stop for the people who are being affected by it on a daily basis. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. You said it perfectly. Yeah. There's a difference between just self-awareness and actually taking action like you were saying and making a, a, a meaningful impact on on this and the new cycles move so quick nowadays like you were saying 15 minutes or the next day 24 hours so as much as we can just keep this present in 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 the front of people's minds uh which is so hard nowadays but as much as we can keep that going i think that would be great yeah it's not a it's not a it's not a fashion thing you, know, no. you don't just you don't yeah you just don't just wear it temporarily no. it shows like hey i hey i really care you know there, I, somebody posted today on facebook it was an article i believe in in the washington post about it i think it was an opinion opinion piece about like you know um when these kinds of things happen uh white people just end up like the, the majority of their actions well they end up joining book clubs they they say oh we're just we're what well, we're metaphorical book clubs in the sense where well we're just going to read up more about what's happening mm-hmm. right now it's like that's 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 great you know but that's this isn't this isn't like you're going on vacation 
right. in solidarity. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, so while times have been kind of all over the place right now, uh, both with the pandemic and, and with, you know, what's happening within our society, how have the two of you um, found ways to be positive and productive? Um, at first, you know, when this started, it was kind of tough to make that adjustment. And I think we definitely were feeling like a bit down and just like the uncertainty of everything. Um, but we've definitely been able to maintain schedules in terms of work. Um, um, you know, I like I'm currently taking classes. We're planning for the upcoming year. Um, so I think just like kind of like we both created our own work schedule almost like just pretending we were going to work, but just at home um, and had like our own little spaces and things like that. Um and yeah, I, I think it took at least me like two weeks, three weeks to kind of be like, okay, this is like the new normal and like, just suck it up and we're going to get through it. You know, like, I mean, I don't know, but you know, hopefully we're going to get through it. And, you know, just instead of, you know, I think part of my anxiety is like, I need to know what's happening, like, you know, next month and the following month. And, you know, I just kind of had to let go of the idea that I'm going to know everything and be able to plan for everything because that's just not where we are. And like just coming to terms with that was helpful. Yeah. It's sort of like going off of you. It's sort of this like radical acceptance of something so out of our control mm -hmm. um, that it's, it's a constant, constant uh, thing to deal with, but sort of like you were saying, Chris, and like setting a schedule has really helped Focusing on sort of the, the facts of what's happening, trying to limit my news intake. Mm -hmm. And by limit, I mean, like, not completely go offline, but like I turned off notifications. <laughs> yeah, like once or twice a day, check the news. Um, and I think also just like doing our part, like, so we've been really conscious of, you know, the stay at home order and not exposing people or like our parents who are more high risk and in like doing what we can to support Black Lives Matter and, you know, just like at least knowing that we're doing everything we can or know to do um, kind of brings us like a little bit of, I don't want to say peace, but, you know, that sense of productivity, even when we're kind of stuck at home. So, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, and, and <laughs> for sure. Yeah, no, I was yeah. That's a good way to put it. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, what do you guys do when you find being productive impossible? Because it, it's got to be impossible. Some, it, it absolutely is for me. I mean, like we were talking about um, uh, depression and anxiety earlier and, and being uh, the ability to be creative when you're going through something like that. And obviously th there's this added, you know, whole other set of circumstances that are going on right now. Like what, what do you do when you can't do anything? Um, video games. <laughs> um, no, I love video a games. A lot of Mario Kart. Mario Kart, uh, Zelda, Breath of the Wild, The Sims. Um, <laughs> but more productively. Um, I do kind of, I think like for me setting time, like limits, like, okay, give myself an hour of just being a bump on a log. And then after an hour, I'm going to try again, you know, and sometimes it is just like, 
you do just have to force yourself. Like it's not going to be enjoyable, but for 15 minutes, I'm really going to try to do this, you know? And if that doesn't work, then maybe put it off for the day. But I don't know. Yeah. Sometimes I'll, I'll try to stop pushing it down and trying to control that sort of negativity coming and just sort of, sort of allow it to enter and accept it and just be like, well, thanks. Uh, thanks for telling me that mind. I know that sounds crazy, but like, Oh, thanks. You know, I decided to try to distance myself from it. Um, but obviously that doesn't always work. Sometimes I don't do anything and I just sulk in, you know, the state I'm in. Um, other times like, like, like you were saying, like, I'll try to force myself to pick up the guitar and write. Um, and sometimes, but mostly not things won't, won't really happen from that. Um, and sort of like we were talking about earlier, there's some negative things I'll do. There's there's more like healthy things I'll do, like trying to do mindfulness stuff, maybe um, to the best of my ability or trying to stay present. Um, but I think also it's OK to have a day where you're not productive. So like if it's just not happening, like today just wasn't the day, you know, <laughs> let's try again tomorrow. Because it, so. could be, it could be more detrimental to try and force yourself to do something when you're just not in that Yeah, place. and then, or it's just like, yeah, you do it, but it was kind of half-assed, and you're going to have to end up doing it again anyways, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes trying to control it just leads to, like, sometimes the solution is, is, is the problem. Like, our problem-solving brain wants to solve things all the time, so, like, trying to control uh, that you don't want to do something actually just perpetuates it and it's like this this weird you know cycle yeah it makes you feel guilty about not doing it yeah so so let's talk about like language how did did, okay so did this form in the middle of the marriage did this form prior to the marriage how how did like language come about well it formed in the middle of the well actually no no, before before we we got married but we've been together for a while so um so we were in the main, we were in the Lombard house. Oh yeah. So it was like the fourth year of our relationship. Fifth year. Yes. Yeah, like in the middle of our, how long have we been together? Almost 10 years. I think. <laughs> so I think it was, I, th- <laughs> I think it was in the middle of, yeah, it was in the middle of our relationship. It was like five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it was like seven years ago. No, it was five. Cause I just had a memory hop up on my, from New York. Anyways, <laughs> um, we were asked to sing at his sister's wedding. And so that was the first time we like collaborated together. It wasn't an original song, um, but we performed and, and then, you know, we got decent feedback. Granted, everyone had been drinking and it was a wedding, so everyone was in a good mood. But um, but we got good feedback and they're like, why, are, why don't you like do something with this? And we were like, oh, I don't know, you know. Um, so then we finally... Matt would start like coming to me with his songs and I would like kind of critique them or tell him what I heard or what I thought was good. And then kind of from there, it just turned into like, hey, why don't we try this and write? Because, you know, um, like having both of our ranges and a male and a female voice, you know, you can do a little bit more in terms of like what you can portray and sing. Um, So that's kind of how it started. Um, It's kind of just coming together for a wedding and then realizing, you know, maybe this could be something. So what passion would you say the project was born out of? Uh, Maybe a passion for us to connect 
musically like views sort of both of our musical worlds in a way with Kristen doing choir and me sort of writing on my own and in bands when I was younger. Um, It was just sort of this passion for us to sit down and, and, and try to fuse or connect both of our musical worlds because at, at the wedding, we sort of had this realization when we performed like, Honestly, it was like, why haven't we, what's going on? That was really great, like really connected on on musical level, emotional level. Like, why haven't we been doing this or why haven't we tried to do this before? And, and because I had been already writing in the past and sort of knew a little bit about starting a band and how to do it, um, it just felt sort of natural to, to at least give it a shot at first, you know? Um, how would you say that its structure has changed over time? Well, obviously, like we've kind of we talked about this earlier in terms of like learning how we work together and what works in terms of writing and what doesn't. So that kind of evolved over time. Um, We also kind of evolved like how um, just because as we got older, like it was harder, you know, people's schedules became more busy. So, um, you know, we started off first as full band and then now we kind of do like a more stripped down version of our music like without backing tracks and things like that um so i I guess it's evolved a little bit like our writing process has evolved like you know um but yeah yeah does that did that answer (laughs) yeah no i'll I'll take the answer yeah okay all right um so who who contributes what parts to the whole You know, we've talked about this throughout the show, but obviously you both might have different ideas about who is contributing what as something that kind of goes maybe unspoken between the two of you. Yeah, it does sort of go unspoken. I feel like a lot of the time there isn't sort of a 50-50 or a 90-10 or something. It's a pretty collaborative process. And we try to really take our egos out of it in terms of if the melody is good or a lyric is good um, and it's meaningful and it's catchy, like we're going to explore it. And because we both sing and we both play an instrument, um, when we're trying to figure out who sings what, it's really who sounds better on the part. And I know it's a subjective opinion, but we, we go through and maybe I'll sing a part and I'll be like, eh, don't sound so good. Well, Kristen, you sound good on every part, so <laughs> if I could pass yeah. that off. But um, we, we tried, we we tried to 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 be selfless about it as much as we can. Um, and it's a pretty like all over the place type of percentage in terms of contribution. It really. I would say depends. you write probably more of the like melodies and stuff, and then I probably contribute a little more lyrically. Yeah, and there's um, yeah, and there's but been... and you write a lot of like the hooks, like the choruses, and then sometimes. I'll write the verse or... I, yeah, it really is kind of just depends on the song. Yeah, sometimes Kristen will come with a full song done, completed. Sounds great. Sometimes I'll come with a full song done. Sometimes she'll come with a, a part of a, a part. song. Yeah, so yeah. It, really, it, really, it really just depends. This is going to require an abstract answer and let me know if you need me to... Uh, elucidate my point a little bit clearer. Um, 
how would you describe your music to someone who has never heard music before? I would say maybe like a longing or like a yearning for the past or like a nostalgia in some way. Wow. I feel like, I feel like, was that a bad, was that no, a bad answer? No, it was just... <laughs> I, I feel like... Not what I thought you were going to say. Uh, what did you think he was going to say? Yeah, what's it? Yeah, let's... <laughs> I don't know, just not that. Um, <laughs> well, I picture um, a lot of our songs sort of about, like, things, sort of, like, looking back on things or, like, memories. Yeah. Or... I would say it's... I don't know. Oh, my gosh, this is... This is tough. Like, I guess a little bit lyrical in a sense, like, you know, it's not super like our, our melodies are usually pretty like melodic in the sense of like their contour and their shape. And um, so maybe like a roller coaster. Well, you know, and it's not like super like rhythmic, like, you know, like it's kind of more like flowing and there's harmony and there's usually like some sort of, you know, pulsating or rep repetitive, you know, aspect of the production or repetition. So how, how would you how would you compare that, though, to like an experience or an emotion? Oh. Um, then, yeah, I would say probably Matt's on it with the longing. <laughs> They are usually, our songs are usually a little bit more melancholy. Yeah, like maybe more like ambivalence between two people. We read a lot about, about whether it be a, a friend relationship or romantic relationship or um, sort of this amb ambivalence of, of, of between two people and sort of yeah. con conflictual situations. Or like two, two sides of a story, yeah. so to speak. Two sides so of a story. That's good. Yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, like, a lot of times one person will take one perspective in a song and the other will take, you know, the other. And usually relatable perspectives that we've all kind of experienced. So how do you think it would be described by a professional music critic? We've gotten a few of those. Do you want to read them? <laughs> um, oh, man. You know, a lot of times we do get like, oh, we love um, the vocals and like the harmonies. That's like, wouldn't you say? Like people, mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know, these people who are musicians who are critiquing us are I don't just think like, so. okay, well. Um, or anybody. I, I, yeah, the reason why I, re I phrased it that way is because I used to say, how do you think it would be described by a critic and automatically people assumed I meant, how do you think your music would be described by someone who hates you? Which is not right. what I mean. Okay, <laughs> That's yeah. where my mind went so, immediately. Yeah, we usually get, we do get like, oh, we really like your harmonies or like the vocal delivery of the song. Um, a lot of times we'll get notes on like production or like a hook of a song. Um, other times um, people might not like what the like premise of the song is about. Um uh, like a, a genre, sort of, possibly. I I, I don't even. I'm, what? I'm in the in response to the question. What do you bit. mean a genre? I guess I'm just trying. You to mean figure like out. in terms of how people might interpret what your genre is? Because oh, yeah, because yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, because I I I've talked to people a lot about that where bands get pigeonholed into like being told, okay, this is what you are. When what they would really like to say is, well, we're not really 
anything, or maybe we're more of a combination of a bunch of different things. Yeah, and I feel like we are somewhat of a combination. A lot of people, or most maybe, will define us under some sort of pop label, like indie pop or alternative pop or something like that. Well, uh, on your Facebook, it says alt pop. Alt pop. So that's self refer I think I put that. So alt pop, I suppose. Um, but besides genres, like we don't really consciously sit down and talk about like we're going to write a pop song or something. I think we just both naturally sort of lean towards like, I guess, more catchier, memorable type melodies as much as we can. When you guys sit down and you just like, we're going to write some music today, as opposed to what you just said, like, we're going to. And today is pop song day. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. We don't sit down and like map out like, all right, here's the intention for this song. And I want it to sound like this band. And I want it to be this sort of goal. Like, it's it's more of like. Once we have like a hook or like a chorus, then we'll be like. I could see it going this way or like I could see it being more folky, you know. Mm -hmm. So once we have an idea, we might start shaping it just like how should the verse sound then? So if we want this to be in this realm, what should, you know, so. Yeah, and I guess I should mention that our production is typically done by our producer, meaning um, a lot of the instrumentation you hear on our recordings are some of it's done by us, some of it's not. Um, so we, it's, he's sort of like a third member of the band, so to speak. So he has a lot of input as well as how sonically it it it, it, it comes out as well. Mm -hmm. um, so we're sort of putting a lot of trust in, into somebody else in, in producing sort of our acoustic demos and our piano demos. What would you say is important about the release of these most recent two singles? Well... We wrote them last summer and we recorded them in October. And it's been a while. I feel sort of removed from them. Um, but we are super proud of the way they came out. And I feel like it's a step in, in sort of a slightly new direction in a positive way. So, I mean, I'm excited about them. I'm proud the way they came out. Um, we're working on a new EP right now. Um, which I think might just be totally new songs. Um, they might not include those two songs, but um, just because it, it feels so so long ago since we since we did that. Yeah, I we started recording that, and then I I wasn't able to like sing on it. I couldn't record, so um, so yeah, it, we like started those, and then we finished them in March after I had like gone through some therapy for my voice and stuff. So. We were like really proud that we were able to get them out because they had kind of just been like sitting there for so long and like, I don't know, um, like not hanging over our heads, but just like we wanted to get them out so much sooner, but we just weren't able to. So, um, so yeah, we're, we're really proud of them and how they turned out and, and it, it does kind of like, you know, because we had to kind of take a break, this kind of like signifies a restart almost for us. So I was re-listening to um, both of them earlier because something I like to do before I go into a recording session with with you know who whatever band or musician I'm talking to is 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 to um, refresh my memory on 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 what they recently released and um, they're both very impressive tracks um, and I was shocked the other day where because I I knew um, used to be something. 
was that in my mind that was like oh this is the the like language single that we are going to be talking about during this recording and then all of a sudden there's this whole other <laughs> song is like oh great now we've got we've got two things to talk about um <laughs> They're 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 both they're both really great tracks and, and you know it's great to see that um, you you were able to release them so so quickly one right after the other um, because I mean God how many people now say like okay we're gonna release a single and then our next single will be out next month you know two months later or something like that so you know it's it's nice to have good good music coming out so uh, so quickly honestly. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks yeah, for thank listening. You. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to go into this saying like, all right, you know, I haven't listened to the music, but uh, you, you tell me what it's about. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, that would have been fun. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, good. Well then I've been lying this entire time and uh, Perfect, I'll, I'll right. catch up on it later. Yeah. Um, so what other music have you guys released so far and where? Uh, we released an album in 2019 called whatever you want and we released an ep in 2016 called keep you here and you can you can find them all on spotify and then we have the two new songs that we mentioned that just came out in the past month as well um and that's all up we have a soundcloud a spotify you know all, all the digital outlets it's available we have You're physical findable. You're fi- we're, we're findable, findable do, a, yes. do a search well, that's what they'll say about like language they're findable that's yeah, right. That that's a great quote. We're gonna use that in a future future merch. <laughs> something. <laughs> they are definitely on the internet. Yes. We're on the internet. Where do you look for hope when you need it most? This is gonna sound cheesy, but probably my students, honestly. So they give me hope. <laughs> I'm like the future is bright. It's gonna be okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean same here, like Students I work with and, and just, you know, close family relationships, Kristen, um, these types of conversations. Uh, it, yeah, it's especially right now, you know, it's it's hard to to find the silver lining and, and hope. But uh, uh, yeah, I guess I guess my answer is, is <laughs> relationships with with yeah, other relationships. people. Yeah. So this is the final question, and this is this is meant about um, you both personally. What do you think most people misunderstand about you? I think this may be too deep. Uh, I, I mean, know. this is the program for it. No, I don't. I, I was gonna. I, uh, I, I, I was just gonna. Is it? You go first. I'll, uh, <laughs> yeah, just, just take it easy. Take it easy. Um, gosh. I'm not sure I've ever thought about what other people... Yeah, it's a, people... Great, it's a great question. What's the question? What people misunderstand yeah, about what, me? What, yeah, misunderstand about you personally. Um, I don't know. I do think that, um, like, uh, people think I'm, like, pretty, like, I don't know... I don't want to say positive necessarily, but like that I have it all like put together and stuff like that. And, um, honestly, that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, 
it's a I, great thing for people to misunderstand about you, though. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I do like I am a pretty sarcastic person, so I could see probably some people taking that as it, me being rude sometimes. But usually, you know, they kind of pick up on that pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure what people would misunderstand or like, I, I don't, I'm not very forthcoming about like my depression or anxiety or anything like that. So maybe that could be something like, you know, that's easily misunderstood is just, you know, all people are, you know, can experience depression and anxiety and, you know, it's not a one size fits all sort of a thing. So yeah, I don't know. I guess I need to think a little bit more about that. Yeah, I, as you were talking, a similar answer to what you were saying, Kristen, just that sort of my outward sort of behavior expression doesn't uh, all the time match what's going on inside or like my inner experience. I tend to sort of of, of put that away and not, uh, f- for lack of a better term, just like be myself in, in, in situations. So, um yeah, I suppose there, there's some misunderstanding there. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, we all, well, I can't say we all, but I think we both, you know, kind of have like outward personas that we present, you know, to people. And then like we kind of know our true selves. Um, and I guess that's how it really, you know, should be if you're married or in a relationship and things like that. But um I think that a lot of us kind of, you know, especially on days, if you do experience depression, like you really kind of do have to like step up a little bit and it's exhausting to kind of like try to be the best version of yourself when you're, you know, personally not feeling like it on the inside. So, so yeah, I think we both kind of like empathize with one another on that and that kind of, you know, I I don't know if just someone meeting us whatever think that yeah. we have, you know, the level of depression and anxiety that we both have experienced. So, yeah. And on sort of, I guess more of a meta level or something, you sort of have to be misunderstood to be understood in a way of like taking the risk to express how you're feeling. I feel like, uh, that that's, you know, to take the risk of, of expressing how you're feeling and being misunderstood to, to really have somebody understand like what's going on, you know? Um, so I feel like that's something that maybe I'm, I'm lacking uh, in terms of just being able to to risk how I'm feeling uh, appropriately. And then, you know what I mean? To be understood, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So now is the time for plugs. Let's just go back over everything we talked about. Obviously, um, these two recent singles that just came out um, used to be something. And it was uh, somebody's got to go. Is that what yes. it is? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Okay, I just wanted to make sure I had that right no, in my that's, mind. You're you're good. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, those tracks, along with uh, everything else you've released, available Apple Music, Spotify, all the major streaming services, the the other services you guys mentioned, um, and then you're you're on uh, uh, Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, what are the Ye- handles yes. for for both of those? At Like Language Music. And do you guys do you guys have a website? Uh, no. No. Not no. at this no, no moment. <laughs> okay. So that people, they're, they're looking to find out more about the both of you, just Facebook, Instagram, uh, and then all the all the major streaming services. Yep. Yeah. And our, our YouTube channel has a lot of like extra content as well. Oh, so yeah. To, 
good place to go. All right. Uh, is there anything else uh, worth worth plugging? I don't know how how far out you guys are from uh, this this next EP. Do you have an idea in mind of when you might be putting that out? It's still kind of a newer yeah. I mean, we project. Ho- so hopefully, well, tomorrow. Should yeah, we- well, it'll be uh, out tomorrow. That's great. No. Okay, uh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, we're we're like we're writing it right now. We have a bunch of ideas, but we're hoping. I mean hoping at the earliest at the end of the summer at the, at the latest uh i don't even want to set a latest yeah because that could be next summer so let's just say hopefully Soon. sooner, sooner <laughs> than later <laughs> all right so Kristen and matt from like language thank you for being on aux populi thanks so much thank for having you. us trying not to call you but i really really want to I was thinking that we could be friends Didn't know you were another dead end Looking back at every photo Like I'm a monster, you're a hero But my memory is fading so fast Can't remember if it was for the best I keep walking the line thinking everything's fine But I'm the last thing on your mind Gave you all of my attention But can't remember my intention Wish I could spend the weekend Talk it out until we're laughing again Take you back to where we first met Show a side you haven't seen yet Always thought that we'd be happy someday But I guess life got in the way You keep bringing me, pulling me, stretching me thin So tired of having to say it again I'm praying that this time you
This has been a production of Ox Audio. For more information on Ox and the Ox Audio Podcast Network, visit us online at oxchicago.com.